Okay, a few, a few people, okay, good. That's, that's, I mean, it's good to know. Thank you for being honest about where you're at with things. That's good. Well, I have a, I have a bit of a question as we begin. Um, uh, and I've, I've talked to a few people about this already. Um, is Easter, <clears throat> is Easter better than Christmas? I'm, I'm seeing, oh, okay, I'm seeing some reactions already because, you know, Easter is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Like, amazing. It's so rich and deep. It, it's changed the world, right? And, and there's, a certain, there's a certain clarity about Easter as well. It doesn't get muddied with too many other things, like the chocolate eggs. You know, eggs are a sign of resurrection. And the Easter bunny, bunny's just a bit weird, so, but you can just put the bunny aside and then focus on Easter. But Christmas, it's like this consumeristic extravaganza, and then Coca-Cola's gotten onto St. Nicholas and turned him into a large, red-wearing, magical kind of character, and it kind of gets all blurred in together, and what is going on with Christmas? Um, and and what, what is it? Is it just like a stepping stone to get to Easter? So there's a question... I want you to have a chat to the people around you, like talk to the person next to you or behind you or whatever. Have a chat. Is Easter better than Christmas? Go for it. Have a little discussion. Ask the person next to you. Uh, if you're online, you can type in the chat. What do you reckon? Is Easter better than Christmas? All right, make sure, make sure everyone gets a chance to speak. Ask the other person. All right, what are, I mean, what are, what are some responses? Some feedback? I want to hear from you. And online as well, you can type in the chat. What do you reckon? What's the, what's the consensus? Christmas? Oh, we've got to vote for Christmas. Yeah, what, what, say more. Yeah, without Christmas, there's no Easter. Yeah, you, it's it's integral. You can't, you can't. Well, I mean, I mean, Jesus could have just like floated in, right, as a 30-year-old. But no, no, he was born as a real human being. That's right. So it's in, incredibly essential for that to happen. What else, Todd? Yes, <laughs> people like Christmas more because you get gifts. Yes. Yep. The, so there's a vibe, there's a certain kind of uh, celebration and uh, maybe, maybe a, a dopamine hit or something or other with Christmas that you don't otherwise get. Yeah, Claire? Right. 
So Easter is more of a, a camping opportunity to go on a holiday and only the Christians celebrate it, whereas Christmas, whether you're church or unchurch, everyone gets involved. Like you go, you go to Chadston, you go to any shop and there's Christmas stuff up and everyone's part of it at some point, yeah. And even yesterday, you know, the carols we had, a whole lot of people will come to that who would never attend church or be a part of, yeah, yeah, yep. Other thoughts? Keep going. What do you reckon? Is Christmas optional? Splitting hairs. <laughs> That's what theologians do, right? They split hairs. That. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've got a comment here online. Easter is better than Christmas for a parent. Uh, because of society's expectations around Christmas. I mean, that, yeah, like it can, it can be really hard. The expectations of Christmas, and uh, perhaps not just for parents as well, like for everyone, there's certain expectations for Christmas. It can be the most stressful time of year for people. It can be the time of year where there's the most conflict uh, because, you know, families are getting back together that don't normally see each other, and so it can be really tricky, and part of that is their expectation, yeah. All right, good, thank you. That was, um, that was good, good to uh, uh, explore that a little bit. Well, um, today we're, we're looking at uh, Zechariah's response. Uh, so Zechariah was a priest in the temple. So this is when there was a temple, there was a sacrificial system, and uh, he, he had a special job as a priest to be part of uh, what was happening within the temple and the rituals and everything else going on there. Zechariah, uh, you might remember if you were here last week, um, uh, him and his wife uh, weren't able to have children, but all of a sudden they, they were, and uh, this son is born to them, John, who becomes known as John the Baptist. And uh, word spreads around, even before he's born, um, no, when, when he's born, word spreads around about how amazing this is. Uh, Zechariah's not able to speak, and then all of a sudden he is able to speak because he said, no, his name's going to be John. And um, so word spreads around, and then Zechariah, this is kind of the first thing he says after being silent for an entire pregnancy. Could you imagine that? I mean, some husbands, maybe they are silent anyway for an entire pregnancy, I don't know. But he, he's, um, he's not able to speak. He's not able to say anything. And here are the first words that are coming out of his mouth when his son is born. Now, I know, like, as a father myself, the experience of having a child born, like, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like nothing else entirely. There's a, there's a certain something that goes on when a child is born, uh, but there's, a, there's an extra special something going on for Zechariah because of the significance of John being born. And, um, and, and here's what he says. Uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's not just filled with, you know, special fatherliness. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesies. And first he prophesies not about his own son, John. He prophesies about the Lord, about God, about the expectation for what is coming. And here's what he says. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because, why? Because he has done something, because he's died on a cross and risen to new life? No, 
because he's come. Just because he's come and redeemed them. So there's no specifics there. Uh, when you see the word redeemed, uh, redeemed goes back to uh, their time in Egypt when God's people were slaves under Egypt, a, a heavy oppression, a horrible time, and they were redeemed out of that situation. They were bought out at a price. And, uh, it, but it doesn't actually say how that's happened. So we, we know nothing here, but there's celebration, there's joy, there's praise to God because He's come to redeem. Now, I think about, um, uh, think about the, the fire brigade coming to an emergency, whether that's a, a fire or some other thing. I've noticed that uh, if, you, if you call Triple O and there's an emergency, like a car accident or something, the first people there are the, the fireers. That's amazing um, that they're often the first ones on the scene. Um, but think about, think about some sort of emergency, like a fire, um, and uh, and the fireys arrive, they haven't done anything yet. They haven't put out the fire, they haven't even made an assessment. You don't know if they're going to come in the front door, the back door, get up a tower and, and squirt the water in. We don't know what they're going to do. But when they arrive, there's a sense of relief, right? At the arrival, they haven't done anything, but they're there, they have come. The fire brigade are there and that is worth being thankful and relieved about. That's the sense of what's going on here. Uh, the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation, a horn of salvation that's a symbol of uh, strength or ability, being able to actually do something. Uh, so there's a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, that's going back to King David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Now there, that's in brackets, right? But it's important. It's not just a, a, a sub-note there. And if we think about Easter and Christmas and prophecy from the Old Testament, you know, what, what is in the Old Testament? What was the expectation? What was looking forward in the Old Testament? Well, actually, there's not a lot specifically about the death and resurrection. So the, the Old Testament expectation, moving forward, looking forward to what is coming, is not so much specifically about how it's going to happen. The expectation and hope and longing is for the Messiah to just come and bring salvation. We just want the Lord to come. That is the overwhelming expectation and hope. Uh, God's presence uh, it's recorded that uh, God's presence left the temple. So imagine that, having, having an amazing place where you could go and, and encounter God that is right there in your midst. You could go to Him. That's a really crucial and, and unique uh, thing that they were able to enjoy. Imagine then God saying, I've left. And a vacuum, it's, you know, I'm no longer there. And so the expectation, the hope, and the longing is for him to return, for his presence to come. So God's presence is that hope and expectation. And this will bring salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
Uh, Zechariah would have had a very particular sense of being hated and having enemies. Uh, this temple uh, and the system that they had, they were able to do their sacrifices and their rituals. That was good, but at the same time, they didn't have perfect freedom to do it. All of this was done under the Roman overlords. There was fear and anxiety, even though they were doing these things, there was always this fear and anxiety that it would be taken off them in an instant. In, uh, in their, their significant memory recently before the Romans, there were some Greeks who came in and conquered Jerusalem where the temple was. And when the Greeks came in and conquered Jerusalem, uh, so there's the temple and then there's the Holy of Holies, this special part in the temple where God's presence is meant to be. And uh, that is the most sacred part. When the Greeks came in, they brought a statue of Zeus and plonked it there. And then they sacrificed a pig. Now, for the Jews, a pig is an unclean animal. So they the, the Greeks deliberately did this to uh, defile the temple. And so it gets called an abomination. It, it causes this desolation. This hor it's a horror of a thing to occur. It's worse almost than God's presence leaving, but then to defile the Holy of Holies in such a way. Uh, so this is in their memory. You know, they're, they're, doing, they're doing worship life knowing that this could happen at any point. The Roman overlords are there. And so uh, when Zechariah says, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, that's the kind of thing that he's going to have in mind, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. So this is long history coming in for the Christmas celebration to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. To serve him without fear. That's what Zechariah would have had in mind, that the Romans would be gone, the Greeks would be gone, that they could do this without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So that's the initial part of the prophecy about the expectation coming. But then he has a particular a father's pride and joy here where he says, and you, my child, so he's, now he's talking about his own son, John the Baptist. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. So, and that's what John the Baptist grows up to go and do. He fulfills that prophecy that his father speaks over him. The focus shifts back actually to God at this point. So there's a brief little bit about John the Baptist and then this amazing poetry really here about the tender mercy of our God and then here's the phrase, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. A sunrise, 
heaven's sunrise. Now, uh, who, who has gotten up early to ever see a sunrise? Anyone? Yeah, okay, okay. I've often wondered, like, on social media, like, how many sunset photos are there on social media versus sunrise photos? I feel like it's a lot easier for people to get a sunset photo than a sunrise. Like, you've got to set your alarm and, and get up before the light has come through and go and take that photo. Uh, but I, I don't know about you, but I have some really significant memories of a sunrise occurring. One of my most significant memories is um, when I had a little bit more time uh, to be a surfer. I'm thinking about surfing a lot, but uh, when I was when I was younger, I would um, I would go to uni and then drive down to the beach afterwards straight away, go and surf, sleep, get up and surf, and then go back to uni the next day. I was that committed to surfing. But what that required sometimes was getting up before the sun getting out into the waves, making the most of the time I had before I had, to, I had to leave. And I have this incredible memory of one morning. It was stunning. It was, it was cold. It was fresh and going out in the water, but it's still dark. Now, if you think about surfing, you kind of need to see a little bit about the waves coming towards you. And this morning, it was reasonable swell coming through, so the waves were sizable. And when you're trying to paddle out, you have to get past these broken waves that are coming at you, pushing you back to the shore. And so you have to dive, duck dive under these waves, push your board and your body under the waves to get through them and keep paddling out. And you've got to do that a few times to get out to where the breaking waves are to surf them back in. Now. What happens normally is you see the wave coming and you've got a bit of time to prepare yourself to dive under. When you can't see what happens, wham! And then you've got to kind of scramble and keep going. The darkness is a problem when you are surfing. But I remember finally getting out and then seeing this little tiny sunshine coming up, popping up as it's starting to get lighter and then all of a sudden the entire ocean is bathed in light, going from darkness to incredible light. And it was still, there was no wind, the, the water was just glassy. And it was a most incredible morning. And I, it, was a, it was a reminder of not just the beauty of a sunrise, but the necessity of a sunrise and what the light does to help us live, not in darkness, not in anxiety, not in fear, but to live this wonderful life that God has set out for us. God wants to uh, guide our feet into the path of peace. We need God's light to guide us in the path of peace. Uh, this season of Christmas, it can be filled with conflict. It can be filled with difficulty for people. We, now more than ever, we need this path of peace, where we can walk with those around us. Uh, thinking about things for us today, um, most of the people that you talk to around, family, friends, colleagues, neighbours, are not going to have a concept of the temple, right? And a sacrificial system, they're not going to have a concept of Zechariah and what he was doing and what uh, Christmas meant for him, the coming of the Lord meant for him. So what, what message of Christmas 
might actually land with people and might be meaningful, those, meaningful for those around us today. Uh, well, I think about uh, what a lot of people are searching for and talking about is the inner light. You know, find yourself inside yourself. You know, search within you to find who you are and then out of that, you know, don't, don't worry about other people. Don't let them get to you. Find who you are inside yourself and then live that out. So you have to find or create or make for yourself a light of hope inside yourself. You've got to create that. So it's on you. Now, I, I actually think that's bad news. That, it, that is not, it, well, I don't know about you, but for me, that's not overly encouraging because when I search my heart, I don't always find a light inside myself. The message of Christmas is the light is shining for you. You don't have to create it. God's sunrise from heaven is shining out. That's amazing that God would do this. Our hope is not something that we make up. It is something that is given to us. The gift of a saviour is being given to us. So I think heaven's sunrise beats an inner spark any day of the week. Amen. Um, I'd like to give us all uh, some time now to pray. And uh, I might just lead us in a, a little bit of just thinking through a sunrise. So maybe uh, close your eyes and maybe you've got your own picture of a sunrise. Think back to that, um, I saw a few hands about uh, being, being awake for a sunrise and witnessing a sunrise for yourself. Uh, so maybe picture that again, that vision, that idea. Uh, hold that in your mind. Uh, if you've never been, then think about my experience of, of surfing, the crashing waves. It's really dangerous in the dark, but when the light comes, we can see and it's beautiful and there's glassy ocean all around us. Whatever image it is, picture that. Now think there's a heavenly version of that. Heaven has a sunrise and it broke at Christmas. That is amazing <clears throat> that God would want to bring his sunrise for us. So I want you to just uh, sit with that image in your mind, uh, the sunrise of heaven, and then spend some time just quietly praying, asking God, what do you want me to see this Christmas? What do you want me to speak this Christmas? What do you want me to be and do? And how can I uh, give you thanks and praise this Christmas? I'll give you a quiet moment. Uh, then I'll pray and uh, then we can continue singing together.
Lord our God, thank you that heaven's sunrise has broken over our dark world, that the light of dawn has shone, and that we don't need to create that ourselves. It doesn't need to come from within us. It comes from you. So thank you for your word. Thank you for the joy that you bring us. Uh, thank you for the transformation that you bring to our hearts from outside of us. That you turn our hearts of stone into living hearts, uh, beating with your love. Uh, so this Christmas, would our hearts be tuned to you? Uh, would they be so filled with your love that uh, those around us uh, would come to know you for themselves? So give us your words, your joy, your grace and your path of peace.